Are you ready for the most informative, well-thought-out hockey podcast on the internet? You are? Sorry. It's just Crown Conversations with your hosts, Robin P. and James Nicholson. Hello and welcome to Crown Conversations once again. James, that's me, and Robin, that's the other guy. We are here to have a conversation with you, our listeners. Uh, before we get started, though, on the Kings, let's talk about the Baby Princes. Three-game winning streak. I still don't think they're good. That's fine. You can think they're not good as much as you want, because earlier in the year, they were not good. Because, you know, they only won a single game. And now that they're on this three-game winning streak, I think we're seeing guys get comfortable. We're seeing guys adapt to the pro system. Arthur Kellyev has been lights out. Quentin Byfield has been playing great. Turcotte, after having a few games where he didn't play, has been a beast. Uh, that line with Turcotte, Kupari, and Kaliev is so much fun. And dear goodness, can we please have that line at the end of this year or next year? Um, and yeah, you're just telling me about how good that line is right now. And yeah, I think is that stat that you're holding up that they've scored at least one goal in each of the last four games? Yeah. So according to John Hoven Mayer, AHL stats check. Since Robo put the Turcotte, Kupari, Kaliev line together four games ago, they've scored seven goals and at least one goal per game. Two versus Tucson. That's the only way I remember how to spell Tucson. Um, 3-12, 1 versus Henderson, Silver Knights, 3-13, 2 versus Tucson, 3-16, 2 versus Tucson, 3-17. So they're starting to get comfortable, that line. Yeah, they really are. And uh, the fourth line with uh, with Boko and uh, Brett, uh, Brett Sutter, really fun, productive, uh, very feisty, as you would imagine any line with... Uh, Boko Imama being, but uh, I mean, Quentin Byfield's looked a lot more comfortable. Did you get to see the highlight of that shorthanded goal he scored? No, I have not. I I barely have been able to see any Kings highlights lately. Last week was just kind of a mess for me, but um, no. Yeah, he, he picks it off. It's like the start of the third period, too. So it's like, it's fresh ice, and he he reads a lazy pass, you know, at the point, you know, going across the blue line, picks it off, sails in all alone, and just roofs it for a shorthanded goal. And it's really funny, because I think a lot of people talk about they don't like that Byfield plays with too short of a stick. And I didn't realize it, but I think Ryan Getzlaff plays with too short of a stick, because that's what he looked like skating in on that breakaway. And it was a really good play. He's looking better and better um, because he's only 18 years old and is only getting better and better. And the defense seems to have calmed down. They're drawing penalties. They're not taking as many penalties. Special teams is getting figured out. Valalta and Jacob Ingram uh, are playing well. I'm I'm pretty happy with the way things have been going and, and not to become too... Uh, optimistic i mean i i don't know if you know what the ahl playoffs are going to look like this year and who knows if they have a shot of making it but i think in terms of the king's perspective you like seeing the development of the players right now you know it's it's funny even though i haven't published the uh podcast with him yet when we spoke with mark morris earlier in the year he mentioned you know ahl being development and the key focus being more heavily on the development of the players instead of, you know, winning. I mean, obviously you want to develop a winning mentality. You want to teach guys to win because like, you know, just to mention that conversation again, guys get so caught up in individual skills of their game. Um, you know, the, the coaching is is so intense nowadays with, with kids and how they develop and learning how to shoot better, how to skate better, how to 
do all these little things so much better that sometimes the winning, the being able to close out a game, a close game, hang on to a lead, you know, how to scrap back into a game when you're down a goal or two, those things take some time to learn. Um, and it, it seems like the most obvious thing, but um, with the way coaching is in North America these days, across all youth sports. Um, I mean, I think you could look at AAU basketball as a prime example of that. That's more about learning how to be a highlight reel player so people notice you more than it is developing other team-oriented uh, things. Well, I mean, hockey, you're never allowed to be the star player. Like, it's just... Even if you are the star player, you always have to sort of deflect and be humble. And if you're out there trying to make plays by yourself and make these highlight reel plays, the coach always gets mad at you. I Do you remember back in 2013 in the shortened season, um, the Kings were playing in Chicago and Drew Doughty just makes the most incredible single-handed effort to not get a goal. Dwight King ended up with the goal, but it was all thanks to Drew Doughty. And at the post-game press conference, uh, Daryl Sutter was like, that was great, but you don't have to do that. You don't have to beat all five guys on the ice. Just beat one. That's just the hockey mentality is all I'm saying, though. Right, and I think... When we look at some of the comments Todd McClellan has made, he is someone who is open to evolving past that mindset. I think with John Rob Robaleski, however you pronounce his name, uh, the Ontario Reign head coach, who comes from the U.S. Development National Team, um, who is really familiar with these guys, um, especially Alex Turcotte. Um, he, he understands what the next generation of hockey players is about. Now, I've heard Steve Dangle talk about this, that in like five to 10 years, we are going to see the most dazzling plays in history in the NHL because all of these players are raised on watching YouTube highlights than they are raised on watching the game. So what they want to learn how to do is to just like get YouTube clicks and, and do stuff like Nasher and, and Pavel Barber instead of being, you know, the the consummate pro, so to speak. Um, so we're going to see something different soon, and I think the Kings are prepared for that. Todd McClellan seems like a good hybrid coach where he's evolving, and he's learning to kind of take the game in a different way than the Daryl Sutters of the world, where they tend to be a little bit more mired in the, a good offense, or a good defense is a good offense, so to speak. I mean, look at what he's been doing with Calgary already. Like, they look like a different team. There's a place for those types of players, or and those types of coaches, I should say. Um, I look at a guy like Peter Laviolette, I, I mean, his thing is the best defense is a great offense. Those types of coaches, I think, have a shelf life. Um, someone like John Tortorella, where they can be really great for a few years and turn a team around and do some incredible things. But goodness, do they wear out those players. And That's Sutter, I though. Think... Yeah, exactly. That's Sutter. That, yeah, I'm saying the NHL has a lot of those guys who are uncompromising in their coaching principles. Todd McClellan is not that way. I think I think Todd McClellan, uh, if, if you want to draw a sort of um, baseball analogy, it wants to be like a Sparky Anderson, a guy who can coach multiple teams, take them to have great success, and have longevity with whatever team he's coaching um, because he understands the culture change over time and can adapt, but does not abandon 
his principles or his system. Because I look at a lot of the way the Kings are playing, and one of the things the Kings are so good at now that maybe they haven't been in the past is zone entries on the power play. Like, I mean, the drop pass is still just gutting to watch every time. Ban the drop pass. Swear to God. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay, here's Dowd. He gets to the red line, drop pass. But to be fair, Kempe has looked great making that read and react play at the attacking blue line. Whether he takes it in himself, passes it to the right side or the left side, or even, I think we're seeing it now, kind of someone circles back behind him so he can even leave it for someone else behind him, and then he, he toes the blue line to come in. I... I I mean that's a hallmark of a of a Todd McClellan team. Uh, I, I see. I'm seeing good things, and we can talk about the analytics of this because this is what I really wanted to focus on. Now that the Kings are halfway through the season, there are some really interesting trends analytically um, with this Kings team. Uh, I know I'm introducing the topic and then asking you to elaborate. I don't know if you're prepared to do that, but I am more than ready to keep talking if that's what you need. Podcasting. <laughs> um, well, I want to, before we dive into the Kings themselves, um, I, there's something that I want to point out first because you were talking about the power play. Power play structures have not changed like at all in the NHL, which is the most hilarious thing to me. I was watching an old clip with, maybe it's just the Kings. Maybe for some reason over their 60-year history, things just haven't changed at all with them. But I was watching an old clip with, I think, Yari Curry and I think it was Gretzky. Um, it was something that the Kings tweeted out a couple days ago. But um, it's just, I was like, oh, I recognize that power play formation. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. <laughs> It just well, I mean, you, you you only have so many ideas in terms of structure for different situations, and I mean, you, you know, it, it's um. There's a reason for that, you know. You, you can't reinvent the wheel necessarily. Um, I mean, you know, the Soviets did, you know, fifty years ago, and made for the best hockey team the world has ever seen. But, um, hey, they lost seen... that one game that one time in 1984. Well, that was 80, whatever it was. I believe in miracles. Um, you know, but it... speaking of, I'll just draw that comparison right now. The first coach of the Soviet hockey team talked about the soul and the heart that went into it and like the love and the passion and like. He was so influenced by dance, by ballet, and in the coaching style and the development of that style of play. And then he gets fired um, under the Brezhnev era of the Soviet Union, and it is literally a cold-calculating scientist who has no heart or humanity in the way he coached. I love that. And... <laughs> it's ridiculous, but I love it so much. Yeah. Um, and then there's a bunch of different comparisons to be made about what happens in the communist revolution with that um, <laughs> all right well let's let's get back to the present shall we let's do that please okay um, so the kings i was looking on natural stat trick a while ago and um you know i wanted to compare todd mcclellan's sharks versus the modern day kings and this is a weird I shouldn't say modern-day kings, but I meant present-day kings. This is a weird year. We're not going to get a complete picture because, hilariously, the kings have the blues number. Minnesota has the kings number. Um, I don't know what's going on with Vegas. They're just a weird team overall in general. Wins, no matter what. <laughs> well, that's because they play clutch and grab. Something I thought we left behind in the 80s, but no, no. <laughs> it's Vegas, so everything has that is old is new again. Hate Vegas. Mm -hmm. Anyway. 
um, the sharks were respectable over the years that I looked at the Kings when they were top of the Corsi League. The sharks weren't far behind them. And I find that very interesting because the Kings this year, they're not very good in the Corsi League. And of course, you know, um, the stats community has evolved far past uh, simple basic Corsi and PDO and mm. whatnot and now expected goals against is the apparently more correct or most accurate predictor statistic but mm-hmm. they're the kings are not they're no longer top of the Corsi league but i guess they're getting better well i mean the best Corsi team in the league right now is colorado which many people believe is the best team in the league. There's, their um, record does not in any way reflect that. But they've right. had a lot of injuries this year. They have. They have. And I think it's a testament to Jared Bednar as a coach who has guys. He's pushing role players into positions they're maybe not comfortable with. And they're doing good jobs. But they're not. you're not able to replace Kale McCarr. Like that's just plain and simple. There's not, other than Quinn Hughes, there's not another Kale McCart in the league. Um, but, like, other teams that are great in Corsi are Montreal, who are maybe underperforming right now. Carolina. Uh, Boston, who's maybe underperforming right now. Vegas. Florida, who's overperforming. And Nashville, who's severely underperforming. No, Nashville so... just sucks. They're not underperforming teams. They just suck. Well, they do, but, like, they're seventh in the league in Corsi. So now we're seeing why Corsi isn't the best indicator, but it can be good for seeing an overall trend. It's, like, plus, minus, but better. Um, And the Kings are currently 21st in the league. Uh, They are behind Anaheim and Buffalo in Corsi. Um, They are, however, ahead of teams like St. Louis and Winnipeg, and Minnesota, and Arizona. So, who knows? Um, what we do know is that the Pacific, Div- or the Honda West Division, is very fun and weird. And um, terrible. You... <laughs> the thi- yeah, that's the thing. is On any given night, any team can be really bad. I mean, same with the North Division in particular. Um, yeah, but I mean, the North you know... Division... Defense is optional. Goaltending is a right. mystery. And its offense is a black hole. Because that's where everything just gets sucked in and all the light just disappears in the offense. Right. And, I mean, like, in the West, there's good goaltending. I mean, Kakanen has been great for Minnesota. You know, Bennington's good. I think we can talk about this later, but maybe not the best goalie on his team right now. Bennington, um, I I disagree that Bennington. I don't think Bennington should have gotten a six by six contract because he's been way too streaky. Right, but like Darcy Kemper is injured for Arizona. You know what 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 does their season look like? Antti Ranta has stepped up and maybe played better than anyone expected him to. In that absence, the Sharks are a disaster in net, and and Anaheim is terrible despite John Gibson being the blessed one in net. No, 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 um, no, no, no. John Gibson is the best goalie in the world. Right. Yes, of course. How dare I? Um, That's what Daryl Sutter said. I know. It, and that, that was, God, one of the best lines ever. Um, I do kind of miss Sutterisms. <laughs> yeah, we'll get them back soon enough from Calgary. Um, but really quickly... If we're can I talk about fancy stats for goalies real quick? Yes, go. Thank you. If we are going to look at uh, expected goals against for the goalies, um, I mean, man, it's wait, wait, wait. Sorry, but aren't goalies um, goals saved against or above average? Not goals against. Goal, goal saved above average. Okay. I, okay. Aren't they different stats, though? That's all I'm... Yes, they are. Yes, they are. 
So if we're looking at goals saved above average, so you're talking about being better than an average goaltender in the league. Are you going to uh, bring up Cal? Well, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised when I say Andre Andre Vasilevsky is the best in the league. Oh well, yeah. Um, I think people will be surprised that Kevin Lankinen in Chicago is second in the league at that, but that would really explain why Chicago's where they are in the standings. Um, and fifth in the league is Cal Peterson. Oh, he's dropped Cal- a little. Well. Yeah, he, he's dropped a little bit because Jonathan Bernier had actually been on a really great streak lately until he got hurt last night, which is a shame. Again? Uh, yeah. Oh, man, poor yeah. Detroit. Yeah, and, and obviously teams are looking to trade for him right now. Um, if we are to look at um, Jonathan Quick's uh, numbers in that, well, maybe he's not as great um, as I am scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I'm just going to do control F. Find me that quick. He's 73rd in the league. So he's five and a half saves per game under the average. Um, but when you look at high danger save percentage, so that means you, the team is pretty much going to score a goal. If you look at goalies who have started at least 10 games so far this year, because I think that's a fair number. Cal Peterson's number two behind Vasilevsky. Like, he has an 8.82 high danger safe percentage. Like, that's better than Fleury, Kakinen, Bernier, you know, Auntie Ranta. He's second best in the league behind Vasilevsky. That's really dang freaking good. And, I mean, Quick is... We're seeing him be good in some areas uh, statistically and not great in other areas in terms of the fancy stats. Um, That's pretty much uh, in line with his entire career. Right. Right. Um, I mean, you know, you know, of course, some of these things are buoyed because of or I should say brought down a little bit because of just the Jonathan Quick-ism of just every so often allowing a really soft goal, like once every other game, allowing a really soft goal. Um, which, yeah, isn't super great. But, like, I don't know. Like, uh, supposedly there's trade interest in Jonathan Quick. I... Don't know how I feel about that because the Kings do need to have a goalie exposed in the expansion draft unless they extend Troy Grosnick and, and expose him. <sighs> but that's a thing for the future to worry about. And what I'm trying to say is the Kings statistically are buoyed by Cal Peterson and the number one line of Ayafalo, Kopitar, and Brown. And James, can you tell that's... me if they're big or not? That line? Yeah, they're big. <laughs> they have size. They have size and speed. And it's fun to use both. And, yeah. And, I mean, going more and more in, into fancy stats, we see how Kopitar is just the driving force. Like, he, he is, that's why he's one of the best players in the league. Has been for his whole career. He's silky smooth. He sure is. And he is so good at making whoever he's playing with better. And this is my whole thing about analytics. Um, when I was in grad school, I read a book called The Packer Way by Ron Wolf, And Ron Wolf was the GM who built the 90s Packers, who took them from a forgotten about team, a very middling team all throughout the 70s and 80s into the early 90s. And his whole thing was, I'm going to turn around the franchise by trading first round picks for the third string quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. And it was because his system of analytics that he personally had demonstrated that Brett Favre improved the play of the players around him. 
And ultimately, that's what you want. And that's what we see from Kopitar. And, you know, with a very small sample size, that's what we see from Jarrett Anderson Dolan. Yes, I was waiting for that. Oh, baby. How fun is that line with Trevor Moore and Carl Grunstrom? Oh, my God. It, it's, you know, Mayer tweeted about it, and I actually agree with him, is that Jad makes his line mates better. He, when the Kings drafted him, they were looking for the next Kopitar, and I think they found it. In It might be a little premature to say this because he is so young and inexperienced, but really... There's a lot of shades of Kopitar in his game. I would say I was lucky enough that I got to see him play in a junior game after the Kings had drafted him. Uh, I saw him play with the Spokane Chiefs against uh, the Portland Winter Hawks. And he, he very much reminds me of Jonathan Taves, where he's not flashy, but man... Is he hard to play against? And then all of a sudden, because he's working that much harder and thinking a step or two ahead of whoever's against him in a one-on-one battle, makes a really great play to set up his teammate. And yeah, that's really what I like from Jared Anderson Dolan. Um, you know, that, that entry he had in the Arizona game, I'm thrilled to see that he's back from it. You know, he assisted on two goals in his first game back. Uh, they were the secondary assists, but that line looks a lot better with him playing on it. And he essentially drags two fourth liners into being productive middle six players because of his presence. And, uh, I mean, a, a testament to, to Trevor Moore and Carl Grunstrom, they work really hard to make that line better too. Like no one can say those guys are not working their butts off when they're on the ice. Cause goodness knows they are. Um, and then that just goes into more of my critiques of Kempe and Velarde, which we know when I do criticize them, they then explode for a million points and you're welcome Kings fans. Yeah. Right after you started complaining about Kempe, he scored a hat trick. Yeah, a hat trick, and then a two goal game after that, and yeah, I I definitely look like a jerk, but the entire time as he's on that scoring tear, I just think, well, we've seen this from him before, and then he disappears for fifteen games. That and, is true. He's and, and now I'm just like, hey, don't disappear for fifteen games and make me feel bad for what I said, because until that happens, I'm I feel okay about what I'm saying about him. <laughs> he's just, he's streaky. Even, because I, I remember tracking his stats when he was in Sweden. Um, should he have been as high a draft pick as he was? Maybe not, but it's all a moot point now. But even in Sweden, like, he'd have really good games where he'd play like 20 minutes and then his like you could see his time on ice just slowly decrease as his points just dried up and then he'd he'd, he'd play for 12 minutes and he'd have like four points in a game well, I don't know if he ever had four points in a game but you know he he was doing really well and he had highlight real goals and stuff and he was player of the game so he'd he'd start earning ice time back and then it's with him especially, he's always been such an ebb and flow player. And this was true even when he was with Ontario. And it was, yes. I never thought he would be ready for the NHL. Because, like, the same criticism that we had with Austin Strand, or that I think Sarah had with Austin Strand, is that he's so inconsistent at the AHL level. But, of course, you know, Austin Strand comes up and makes us all look stupid. Yeah, and if you want to get into fancy stats, they actually are not very good for Austin Strand. Um, His high danger chances for percentage is second after yeah, Jared Anderson so Dolan. Yeah, and so high danger chances against. Like, only Mata is better than him in that category somehow. To be uh, fair, Austin Strand has played seven games. Right, it's a small sample size. 
I think the big thing for me when talking about Adrian Kempe is he doesn't feel like he's only 24 years old. What do you mean? It, it seems like he's only 24. No, I know it that. It seems like he's, he's been a king for 12 years. It really feels that way. Yeah, it seems like he's older than he is. And, you know, maybe this is when everything gets put together for him. I think if you were to talk about what a lot of scouts see with Adrian Kempe is someone who frustrates the hell out of scouts. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, he has everything. He has hands and speed and vision and physicality. But goodness knows, not all of those things will ever be a part of his game at the same time on any on a, any one night in particular. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, someone who was streaky and contributed was someone like Marion Gabrick. Marion Gabrick would go through those those goal scour- scoring droughts. But when he was in those droughts, you would see him like go to the front of the net and like try to pester and be in the goalie's way. And then he'd ultimately just get cross checked so heavily in the back by a defenseman a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a pretty good indication of why his play dropped off a cliff. Um, but, you know, he, uh, you saw the effort. And I think sometimes Campe being a young guy, maybe we don't see that consistent effort all the time, but maybe as he's maturing and, you know, growing up, maybe we are going to see that a little bit more. And I'm going to look even dumber for all the things I have just said about Adrian Kempe. You know what's funny? Adrian Kempe is listed at six foot two. Austin Wagner is listed at six foot one. Adrian Kempe plays smaller than Austin Wagner. They have yeah, the that's true. they have the same skill set. They're yeah. fast. They well, Austin Wagner probably has less shooting talent than Adrian Kempe. Mm-hmm. And I would dare say Adrian Kempe is probably a little bit smarter hockey-wise than Austin Wagner. And this is nothing against Wagner. Just like, you know, Jad is one of the most brilliant forwards on the ice. But just Mm -hmm. like... And I think that's one of the things that sort of gets frustrating with Kempe. And it's... I mean, it's such a European way of playing. Kind of playing smaller than your stature. I don't want to say he's timid or anything. Because he's not timid. He does not play timid. But sometimes he just plays like he doesn't want to get hit. And that's a very European. Because hitting, they do hit in Europe. They have body checking in European leagues. It's right. just not quite as, I'm going to smash you and, you know, murder your brains out. And, and try to make you bleed from your ears every night that they they have in North America. It's... It's still physical. It's just less grotesque violence, I should say. Well, I mean, it's still there. Uh, did Grundstrom get suspended for a few games? Well, I'm not to, like to, I don't. I mean, because he he hit someone from behind. Um, but like, I mean, Peter Forsberg, I think, is a guy who was way more physical than people remember. Um, I'm not ooh. saying he's not physical, and this is. <clears throat> And I'm not no, saying... I understand what you're saying. It, we're, we're, it, it's the difference in styles where uh, North American players are taught straight ahead, be a wrecking ball if you want to make a team. Whereas European players are maybe like, hey, we have bigger ice. Show us you can take advantage of that bigger ice and then wait for your opportunity to exploit the, uh, you know, take advantage of your opportunity. That's what I mean to say. Um Yes, we're saying the same thing. I was just bad at saying it compared to you. No, I think you um, put it into words better than what I put it to words. <laughs> words are hard. Um. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. And then, um, really quickly, just talking about everything. In terms of high danger, 
chance for percentage. Uh, Kempe, eh, middling. Um, you get to Velarde and Carter and Anthony Seu, and they're they're all about the same. Yeah, they're 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 middling at best. You know what um, I found interesting since you brought up Carter, he's actually mm-hmm. um, he leads the team in individual course C four, so he's generating, I believe, the most um, shots. Sorry, chances I was for... wrong. I said Corsi. I meant chances. Yes, I believe that. Yeah, because especially with that, you know, when he's playing with those guys, uh, he's a guy who's kind of playing smaller than he is right now. And when he gets his chance to do something cool, he he does it. Um, especially if, you know, one of those guys gets on a breakaway, uh, namely Anthony Seu. Most surprising but... name on this list? Guess. It's not Dustin Brown, although I am surprised to see him so high. For individual chances, four. Don't look. Um, don't cheat. Well, I, I'm going to assume Austin Wagner. No. Well. Okay. Yeah, no. He's he's 11th. Matt Roy. Okay. Matt I'm Roy not... is, he's at Matt Roy is a defenseman. He's played yeah. 23 games. He has yeah. played, uh, about 60 minutes fewer than Andre Kopitar cumulatively mm-hmm. on the ice. They are both tied for the same amount of chances for. I'm honestly kind of not that surprised with the way Matt Roy's play has been at five on five and the way we have seen him uh, be really smart at the point. And I, I think we can look back on a lot of Kempe goals in particular, uh, and see where his shot created a chance for Kempe. And yeah, I don't, I'm, it, it's a little bit surprising for him to be that high. At the same time, I think with the way his game has been this year, I'm not blown away by it. I've really liked his game this year. Um, I just find it, you know, he's a defenseman. And yeah. he's fourth. R- really, he's tied for third. But, I mean, he's fourth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a defenseman. Have I mentioned that he plays defense? Really? <laughs> it's just... I'm not used to seeing that from specifically LA Kings defensemen. If this was Colorado, I would say absolutely, 100%, not at all surprised. <laughs> but... Right. You know, two seasons ago, um, I think it was two seasons ago, might have actually been the start of the 2019-2020 season, I think LA was like the last team to get points or goals from all of their defensemen. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm just not used to seeing a defenseman so high up on the, oh, he created chances to score list. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I, I think, you know, 14th on the team is Oli Mata. Uh, I'm on Evolving Hockey looking at that. And, um, yeah, Mata gets his opportunities because he, he'll pinch so hard if you give him an opportunity to pinch. Um, but, I mean, I, I've, I've been really uh, impressed with Matt Roy this year. Uh, you know, I think his presence is only making things easier for Tobias Bjornfoot, who is getting better. He's getting more comfortable. I know lo- I'm I'm seeing fewer instances of him early in the game where he has a shift or two where he panics when the puck comes to him, and he's being a bit more decisive, and and that's obviously what we want from him. Um, and I mean, Mikey Anderson has been just so cool and calm and good all year long oh my god you know what's funny though most of the kings fans they don't like mikey anderson it's because he makes the obvious gaff so when he makes a mistake and he turns the puck over it immediately leads to a goal against or at least a very high danger chance against and it's like 
oh, why is this kid still playing? And it kind of reminds me of um, <laughs> when Slava Voinov first came to the Kings, he was doing the same mm. thing. And that was mm. the one thing that Willie Mitchell said. He's like, look, this guy has the puck on his stick all the time. That when he makes a mistake, it's a high or it's an obvious mistake. Like it's it's a it's something that everybody points to and they hate it. Everybody's gonna make mistakes. I mean, as Jim Fox has said over and over, that's that's how hockey ho- that's how goals are scored in hockey now. You have yeah. to make the other team make a mistake. You can't just kind of wait them out or bully your way through anymore. Although the Vegas Golden Knights will tell you differently. Hey. <laughs> I don't like them. How can you tell? <laughs> well, I mean, it, like you're saying, you know, in terms of giveaways for the LA Kings, who leads that stat? Probably the guy with, you know, the puck on his stick all the dang time. Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar. You yeah, know, they actually. Have more than anyone else because they have the puck more than anyone else. <laughs> you know, um, it is I, literally I think... Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar one and two in giveaways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I, I... <sighs> yes. And Mikey Anderson happen. is number six, so it's... Yeah. He has the puck a lot, so when he gives the puck away, like, he's going to lead that stat. Now, it, he's doing better than Matt Roy and Olimata in those stats. No, he's not. Oh, wait, yes, he uh... is. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I got confused for a second. You're yeah. well. Okay, he's doing slightly better than Olimata. <laughs> well, they're all tied. They're well, Olimata they're and yeah. Dustin Brown and Mikey Anderson are tied. Yeah. With thirteen giveaways each. I think the overall theme that I am trying to paint right now in this talk of analytics is that the Kings are trending in the right direction. Maybe they're not a playoff team this year. But they're getting, they're a lot closer than they were last year and certainly the year before that. And if this trend continues, awesome. That's what I think the organization expects. I think we are going to see reinforcements arrive next year. Um, I think we see some things happen, you know, with the roster. Obviously, with the expansion draft, the Kings will lose a roster player. my assumption is it's either, you know, Wagner, Mata, or Quick. Um, and then we we see what happens. Because, hey, here's a fun analytic money. Um, the Kings have the second most cap room this year. Um, not counting LTIR. Um, the only team with more cap room than them is Ottawa. And I would definitely say the Kings are doing better than Ottawa. <laughs> I would say they're doing better than New Jersey and Detroit. Um, you know, because those are the only teams with more than $3.5 million in projected cap room. And then you have Florida, who they just have a lot of young players and a lot of guys who they got for very cheap, um, who are playing under Joel Quenville. Um, and... You know, it's nice to see a team like Anaheim be right up against the cap and their garbage. Yeah, but they're getting reinforcements. Troy Terry is eventually going to get better. He's not going to suck forever. I firmly if believe... Bob Murray doesn't trade him. He's not going to trade him. That's a stupid rumor that got started on Twitter. And <laughs> I wish he would trade him because as long as he trades him out of our division, that makes the Kings better. Yeah, and... Yeah, and Zegris is good. And he got his first goal last night. Yeah, and, and they have Jamie that Drysdale. other guy, Jamie Drysdale. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Anaheim's, in, well, Max Comtois is a fourth liner, but he always mm-hmm. terrorized the rain. That's the only reason why I know his name. Yeah, Sam Steele, but, Max Jones. Derek yeah, Grant, so they got a good young core coming in Anaheim. Yeah, I have they do. no idea what's going on with the Sharks. I, I don't think anybody knows what's going on with the Sharks, but... Yeah, yeah. And, and and the Ducks will have a lot of cap room next year. Yes. Oh. Well, they're only paying but... Corey Perry $2 million for the next 
Yeah, and Getzlaff is a free agent. You think they're going to let him walk? I wouldn't be surprised if they trade him at the deadline. <laughs> let him go chase a cup. I really wouldn't be. He has a cup. Uh, I know, chase another cup. He wants to do that, probably. Yeah. You know? Um, I think, you know, who knows what the free agent market looks like in the offseason. Um, we can assume there's probably a flat cap again. The Kings are in a really good position for that. Um, a better position than most teams in the league. Yeah. I, I believe Gary Bettman did say that despite the um, ESPN deal, there is going to be a flat cap for the next two years just because they mm-hmm. have to recoup the money that they lost from COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I mean, at, you know, looking to next year, the Kings have almost $26 million in cap space. They'll have to re-sign Matt Roy. Um, you know, Anthony Sayu is an RFA. Alex Ayafalo is an unrestricted free agent. Trevor Moore is an RFA. Amadio and Luff are RFAs. So there there are some guys to re-sign. Um, Kale Clegg and Austin Strand uh, will be RFAs as well. But there's nothing that seems to be breaking the bank anytime soon for the Kings. I'm not I think the... seeing anybody that's an RFA this year. Unless I'm reading Cap Friendly wrong. So for under 21-22. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. so you're right. I have follow Athanasiu, Lazat, Trevor Moore, um, Carl Grundstrom, Matt Luff. I don't know if they re-sign Matt Luff, honestly. I don't know either. I don't know about Amadio, who today did go on waivers, likely to go to the taxi squad. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I think does Leas Anderson have to be? Re- no, I think no. he's okay. Um, actually, he's he is up for. Yeah, he'll be an RFA next. Yeah, and Drake after... Rimshaw, they'll probably let if they don't. Um, if they do not offer him or extend him a qualifying offer, I suspect they'll let him walk. I have not seen anything from Drake Rimshaw in the NHL. They may try to bury him in the minors again. Like, he hasn't even yeah, come up might. for a cup of coffee in a game. Yeah. I think the Kings aren't worried about their their salary cap until after the twenty the 2022-2023 season. When Turcotte, Kaliev, Madden, Byfield, Kupari, Fajimo, uh, Thomas, and uh, uh, Jordan Spence will all be free agents. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's where their their bigger uh, worry is. Well, yeah, right but Dustin Brown and Jeff Carter are also free agents. So that's $10 million. After next year. Yeah. Oh, 20, yeah, 2022. Yeah, and, and that, know, that's when they're going to have like their big free agent class too, but they're going to get yeah. ten million dollars back. I don't think Adrian Kempe is going to cost them a whole lot. Gabriel Velarde is not going to cost a lot. The interesting thing is going to be what they do with um, Jared Anderson Dolan and Carl Grundstrom. Mm-hmm. And then of course, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I I'm liking the way they're playing so far. And I don't see any reason to not see them as as kings for the future. Um, you wonder about when do the kings make the kind of Patrick O'Sullivan for Justin Williams type trade? You know, when they give up a young player for an experienced player. Um, we we'll see what happens. Five games ago, I didn't think that they were trending in the right direction. It looked like they weren't because they were. On a on a horrible losing streak, and now they've won a couple games, so it's like, well, maybe they are turning in the right direction. Statistically, if you look at the overall season, I'd say yes, they are showing signs of improvement in key areas that you want them they to see. They are extraordinarily streaky, like you would expect a team buoyed by goaltending in one line to be. Yes. Um, I just, you know... It's going to be really interesting next year because do they bring up Turcotte? Do they bring up Kaliev? 
Do they bring up Byfield? Will he be NHL ready? They have questions about Rasmus Kupari. I mean, both Kupari and Kaliev looked like they were NHL ready. They both stepped in and looked pretty comfortable in the few games that they played. Do you keep Turcotte and Fagamo in the AHL for one more year? Uh, 2023, 2022-23 is going to be a really big year because that's when all their their draft class is, all their, their free um, RFAs. Yeah, yeah, their, their entry-level contracts are... Yes, their ELCs. I mean, Woo! You know, they, they... Cole Holtz, Sean Dursey, uh, Marcus Phillips, we haven't seen anything from him. I'm really interested in to see what they're going to do this year because Kale Clegg, Austin Strand, Jacob Moverar. What do you yeah, do with those guys? I mean, Kale Clegg is definitely a bridge deal. Kale Clegg is definitely a bridge deal. And I think same with, with Austin Strand. I think those are young defensemen who are serviceable NHL players uh, you know, in, you know, a bottom pairing or seventh defenseman type role who maybe, you know, going into the trade deadline next year are tradable for a veteran player. I really um, am curious to see what they do with Jacob Movar because he's mm-hmm. 22. I feel like he's been in the Kings organization for six years. <laughs> yes. Because he's been playing <laughs> in Sweden. So you're kind of like, oh yeah, that guy. But they loved him in Sweden. They absolutely loved everything that he did in Sweden. They gave him this year to get adjusted to North American style. Totally respectable. Mm -hmm. But what do they do with him? His contract is up at the end of the year. And he hasn't even gotten a cup of coffee. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's only played in three games for the rain. They have too many defensemen Uh, again. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They do, and, and goodness knows it's been a freaking game of musical chairs on the back end this year with the taxi squad. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know. The Kings will continue to be frustrating to watch as a Kings fan for this year. There, there's no doubt about that. I'm Just not trying to this paint year? Well, you know, <laughs> it's the nature of the beast, I suppose. Um, yeah, but come but... on. I mean, 2012, nobody thought that they could do it. And then 2014, and nobody definitely thought they were going to do it. They were on the ropes. They were against the mm-hmm. ropes. I mean, down 3 nothing to the Sharks. The game went to overtime. You're just waiting for the Sharks to score that final dagger. And, and then... A... And it didn't happen. Yep. Yep. And, you know... They're the, just uh... like the streakiest team ever. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, they are. And... It makes for excitement <laughs> and frustration and elation. So, uh... They're the Cardiac Kings for a reason. They sure are. And I really think... I mean, this this year, who knows if, they're, if they make the playoffs. Um, you know, they, they have shown to have St. Louis's number. And... Yeah, but they lost you know, to... The Coyotes just recently. Yeah, well, then the Coyotes are are trending in the wrong direction right now. Obviously, with they get Darcy Kemper back, things look a little different. But uh, we have seen reports that things within the organization in Arizona are not going great, um, which is a shame because I really like Rick Tockett, and I think he makes his players better. And you know. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, San Jose and Anaheim, we need the Kings need to beat up on them when they get the chance to. And San Jose and Anaheim are going to play them tougher, it feels like. Anaheim um, just blew a 3-0 lead to the Oh wait, no, that was to the Avalanche. I thought it was against the Golden Knights, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, they came back from two down last night. Oh, it was a 3-1 overtime. lead against the the Ducks, was it? No, Sharks. It was a 3 the Sharks blew a lead. Against the Golden Knights. It was 3-0. Yeah. Yeah, that was the other night. Yeah. That was fun. And, no, we know, don't want Vegas to have any success. Come well, on, James. They're, they're, all, they're already a lock for the playoffs, practically. And, and what what can you do? You just hope that they, they 
they use up all their energy in the regular season, and then the Kings play them in the first round, and and we shock them. Um, you know, we're recording this on on you know Friday afternoon before the Kings play Vegas tonight. We'll see what happens. Obviously, Vegas is a good team, and they're a hard team to play against. Um, for all of the reasons that Robin will explain to you. Uh, yes, let me explain it to you so in the most condescending manner that I can. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, we can assume it will be another sucker punch to the heart this year. The Kings will probably get tantalizingly close to a playoff spot within the last five games and not make the playoffs. And well, and at least this year Calgary can't, year. you know, deliver the final blow. That is nice. That is nice. <laughs> really, I do appreciate that. And yeah, speaking of Calgary's just three points out of a playoff spot in that wacky North division. They won their first two games with Sutter and then they just laid down three. and died. Well, uh, they had one game. They won the first three and then lost one. And I, I believe they played, yeah, they play against Toronto today. Oh, yeah. I just um, meant in that last game against uh, the Oilers. Yeah. They just sort yeah, of. Well, Connor McDavid decided to be Connor McDavid. <laughs> <laughs> well... You know, I, I think with that one, it, it it's that fourth playoff spot where all the teams are like no you take it no you take it please they just wanted to make the flyers feel like they weren't alone and that they had somebody in solidarity with them <laughs> oh that's a weird team oh you want to okay you know what though no matter what happens james i think we can all be grateful we're not buffalo sabers fans of course that of is course. a an organizational mess. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and hey, if I'm the Kings, I am a million percent trying to kick the tires on Rasmus Dahlin. Um, <laughs> no, you wanted Casey I mean, Middlestat. Oh, I would love Casey Middlestat too. Believe me, I love me some Casey Middlestat. Um, it's just how many young Fords do the Kings need on their in their pipeline? Um, Kind of like Casey Middlestat, though. I mean, he's he's like a solid, quiet producer. Oh, yeah. Can he replace yeah. Austin Wagner? Listen, I love oh, Austin Wagner. I, love I really do love Austin Wagner, but we need somebody with hands. Actual hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, Man, I like this idea. We should just be GMs. You know, Buffalo, you need some help. Hire us. You want to know the craziest stat of all? Connor yes. McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have combined for over 100 points in, like, 30 games. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's 1983. What did you expect? <laughs> like, yeah, they're they're filthy. They're great. They're so good. And... And yeah, and like you said, defense optional in that le in that division. Especially when Connor McDavid goes, "I'm tired of this crap. Let me just do what Let I do best." Yeah, skate by everyone and roof it. Oh man, yeah, he's a um, cheat code unto himself. Gosh, he freaking is. Like, uh, I mean, he's already at twenty goals in thirty three games. He has 58 points in 33 games. Like, I... <laughs> oh. Oh. How? What? How? And he's only a plus 12! I give you, ladies and gentlemen, Edmonton goaltending. And defense. <laughs> their their goaltending is just a question mark. What? What do you mean Mike Smith is erratic in goal? No, I was thinking of uh, Koskinen. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's the two of them. Well, there. Kos so Koskinen is much like Adrian Kempe, where he has these really great games, and he's like, you know, on fire. 
And then it's the next day, and he lets in five sneakers. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Um, you know, at least the Kings have had solid goaltending this year. We can we can point to to Cal and Quickie, and even the one game with with uh, Grossnick. The goose is loose. As being really reliable. And, yeah, I mean, every goalie has a bad game eventually. And Quick has had a couple, and so has Cal. Um, yeah, Cal but... said he was really sloppy against, I think it was against Arizona. Mm -hmm. Or was it against Minnesota? Oh, they've played Minnesota too many times. Yes, they have. Thank God we only have to see them once more this regular season. Looking ahead, the Kings play Vegas for the next six games. Um, we do have two in San Jose on Monday and Wednesday. Uh, and then, yeah, so it, it's two two against Vegas, two against San Jose, two against Vegas, two against San Jose. <laughs> uh, and then we throw in two against Arizona for, for fun. And then two more against San Jose and two more against Vegas. This schedule is so bizarre this year. Yeah, so we're going to see a lot of Vegas and San Jose over the next few weeks. It was coming. Let... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. And then I think towards the end of the year, we have like, I think like four or five straight games against Anaheim. So, um, yeah, hopefully the Kings pick up points when they can against, you know, San Jose and they, they steal a game or two against Vegas. So, um, yeah. And, and, if they don't, oh, then, then they're streaky. Who knows? They it, it it's a weird team this year, but overall better than last year. Yes. Remains to be seen what they're gonna do with the kids, but that's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's not too bad. Well, I think we've exhausted uh, our sucker punch to the heart, so. Oh. Oh, I have one thing. So the Islanders, who have been great this year, um, really, 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 really good. I don't know if I can uh, emphasize that enough. Have they, they been are good, James? Up... Are you sure? Yes. Uh, yes. Wait, sarcasm? From you? Um, <laughs> I know, you're shocked. <laughs> uh, they lose Anders Lee. Um, he's done for the year which is so unfortunate. Do you see them going after one of the Kings wingers, whether that's a Kempe, an Anthony Sayu, a Wagner type? Who's their GM again? Oh, no, uh, Lou Lamorello. Oh, is right. Their GM. That's right. Lou. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Lou. Lou Lamorello. If he gets on a hot streak... I could see them going after Adrian Kempe, maybe Andreas Athanasiu, depending on who's mm -hmm. hotter. Um, because mm -hmm. both of them kind of fit that um, down in the grind, you know, that kind of get dirty uh, in the corners, kind of Lou Lamorello style. Kempe's mm -hmm. got size, but Athanasiu, he's dirt cheap. Um mm -hmm. And, you know, he might be streaky, Athanasio, but he's surprising. So I think he could... Yeah. I could really see them going after, like, Athanasio. I think he would fit in well with a Lou team. Yeah, I do too. I, and playing Barry Trotz's style, for sure. Um, he would totally fit... I don't want him to go. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And... and... You know, I, I obviously his game is going to look a lot different playing for for Barry Trotz, who of course is, you know, like Daryl Sutter, but more agreeable to his players. <laughs> um, you know, and you know they have a first round pick this year and next year. They have Colorado second each of the next two years as well from the Devin Taves trade. Um, so there's draft picks to trade. They have some young players. I'm sure you would very much want Josh Hosang back in return. He's never going to make the NHL, and that pisses me off so much. <laughs> <laughs> that is a podcast for another time, though. Um, yes. we got to wrap this up. Okay. Any final thoughts? Um, 
uh, don't hit your keyboard too hard on your laptop if it's not working right. And and maybe um, don't break the M key like somebody I know did today. Proud of Thanks. you, man. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me today, friends and listeners. We had no questions, but that's okay. Um, and uh, we will be back in hopefully a week. So bye-bye. Woo!